Welcome to the Word Up Podcast, where we discuss all things tech in Israel from the perspective of a technical writer. Doesn't sound interesting? Well, you can go ahead and leave. Just kidding. Stick around, because I think I'm going to make a very compelling case why you should care about technical writing. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Word Up Podcast. This is an extremely special episode because it is the first time we're having a guest on the show. Um, and he's a quite an impressive guest, so we're starting off very strong. Um, joining me today is Ziv Baspector. He is head of knowledge at AppsFlyer, a very successful company based out of Herzliya. The reason this is so special for us and for the listeners, what I think you're going to really appreciate is that so far in the podcast, we've discussed everything around technical writing, the business aspects of technical writing, um, hiring junior writers, a lot of these kind of niche type topics. Um, and in my experience in the technical writing world is that we talk about processes, we talk about tools, we talk about all these different types of things. And the thing that's always left out, and I'll give my opinion why I think why, but the 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 topic that we discuss the least, I think, as a community is KPIs. How do we measure our documentation? How do we measure the effectiveness of our documentation? Um, and I think the reason we do this is because so many of us fail and we don't do it well. And myself included, I, I completely throw myself in that category. I don't do it well enough. And that's why I'm so excited because uh, Ziv has, I don't know if he's cracked the code, but he, uh, uh, out of all the people I know in the field, he has done it. And so you're going to learn a lot. This is going to be a bit analytical. It's going to be a, a little uh, statistical, but the idea is that we, Ziv is going to teach us um, you know, a little bit about how he got into technical writing. It's, a, it's an ex- fascinating story um, and, and how he's been able to um, apply KPIs to, successfully to documentation, benefiting writers, company and at the end of course the users exactly yeah okay so alex and congrats on the new podcast really uh it's a pleasure to listen to you really i listen to all your episodes and it's great to hear uh, you know a lot of things that you say that are all these things that we do some of these things are new ideas some of these things just frame those other things that we do um great to listen to you congrats on the podcast I really appreciate it. So instead of me telling, I'm going to let Ziv tell you about himself. Um, as I understand it, you had more of a background in engineering. Yeah, yeah, Alex. I, I have an extensive experience as a developer a slash product manager in a small company. And at some point I decided this is not uh, the path that I'd like to pursue. I wanted to work more with people. And when I came over to AppSpire, I started working AppSpire as a, as a CSN. And had a blast working with all sorts of uh, Israeli clients, European, all over. And uh, one of the things that happened to me while I was a CSM is that every once in a while I came across some kind of an issue, uh, a problem, you know, that um, I just couldn't find in the knowledge base we had back then. I just couldn't find an answer for. And so, because of my background as a developer, because of the fact that we were a pretty small company back then. Uh, I was really able, you know, to go over to one of the devs and just to tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, uh, what's up with that thing? Okay, and get an explanation. And then I thought, okay, I can do that. But what about a CSM in Japan? What about a support person in the US? They have no way of knowing who's the dev and talking to them. So I started writing a weekly newsletter. And I called it the CSM's Diary. And every week I wrote about uh, an issue like that and what's the, the, the solution for that. 
And that actually gained some popularity within the company. And after a while, after a year and a half, and I was in Apps Flyer, they were looking, apparently, I didn't know that at the time, but they were looking for somebody to manage the, the, the documentation. There was one technical writer at the time. And um, they just thought about me after they interviewed a lot of people and just offered me the position. And presto cadabra, you know, it's like everybody that you talk to uh, just got to technical writing by mistake, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say on, on career day, you never had technical writers come in and explain why kids might want to become a technical writer. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really happen. But, you know, reminiscing, looking back at, at my, you know, previous role, even when I was a product manager in the, in the small company, uh, I just realized that I had the most fun writing the manual for my product, which nobody else read. But that, that's what I enjoy the most doing. So. I guess that's it's, it's incredible. And something that you touched on, I'm not even sure you you know how profound it is, is that there that you identified the issue, um, which was that knowledge was gated, that knowledge was siloed in people very locally, you know, coffee, um, you know, coffee, coffee knowledge, right? Where you get just by picking up and talking to someone locally. Now there are entire conferences dedicated to breaking down knowledge silos. And it seems that um you know, we've talked briefly before, then what I really enjoyed when I was speaking with you is that there's just a very straightforward, basic solution to common problems. And it seems like in this one, it was pick up a pen, start writing a newsletter and put it out there for people. So we didn't have to have these conferences. What, you know, this team should be doing this. That team should be doing that. It was, I identified a problem. I'm going to start writing the knowledge down and spreading it out and see if people benefit from it. It's a very clear solution to a very common problem. Yeah, and you know, luckily people read that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so very uh, good. Yeah, that and, and that was actually about five years ago, a bit more than that. And um, since then, uh, the company has grown, the team has grown. We are now a team of ten people, ten, um, almost all of us technical communicators. Um, and and yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big knowledge base, and uh, we serve a lot of customers every month. In about. Uh, half a million page views every month. Uh, actually, more than that. Sorry, uh, about six hundred thousand. Excellent. So, so when you started off, how how big was your team about? So when I started off, there was one technical writer, and there was me, like a, a newbie in technical writing. But uh, the fact was that because I was a CSM and I already knew uh, where the problems of, of customers uh, are with the documentation and with implementing our solutions, I started going over uh, these articles and also just going over Google Analytics, seeing the most popular articles because these, you know, you, you want to bring the most value with what you do, right? And um, started to improve these uh, and to answer to the questions that I knew that customers would have. And slowly but surely, uh, things started to improve. But it was pretty, uh, at that stage, I didn't really have anything analytical behind it besides, you know, Google Analytics, besides just watching the, the page views and, and, and what you get from Google Analytics. And so what made you want to take it to the next step? Meaning you, you had some sort of analytics, you were writing good content because you knew you as a CSM, I, I always think that the best documentation is from people that know the product the best and then understand the customers the best. So you, you were writing good documentation that was probably being at least somewhat effective um, you have a small team, you have some sort of analytics. What made you want to take the next step 
to to dig deeper into analytics and understand you, what you're doing. It's always interesting, you know, to dive into the analytics and see the the, the complete picture, or to try to get new ideas about what you're doing good, what you where you have to improve at, and, and so on. But I have to admit. Like becoming a technical communicator, this was also sort of an accident. Okay, we we working still are working with the Zendesk, and uh, at the time, after about a year uh, in in the new role, uh, I was contacted by our CSM in Zendesk, and she told me, "Hey, do you know that your sales service ratio is really really high?" So yeah, naturally, I told her, "Our what?" And then she <laughs> explained to me, okay, so self-service ratio is actually a term that Zendesk uh, came up with. You can still find, I think, uh, in their uh, in the knowledge base, you can find an article by the guy that coined this term. And uh, he tells you about what it means. And self-service ratio is a way for you to try and understand if your documentation is uh, effective in, you know, one of the probably most important things that the commutation is there for, and that is ticket deflection. And um, at the time she told me, yeah, uh, you've got a self service ratio of 28, which means that uh, in average for every 28 unique page views that you have, uh, there was only one new support ticket opened by customers. So, okay? so, so the thinking behind that is that the more page views to to ticket ratio means that users found the most most likely found the, the answer they were looking for yeah exactly so the, you got to treat them as users that look for a solution for something because you know just between you and me alex users don't really come into the knowledge base to have a fun time of reading right <laughs> so these people look for some kind of a solution and uh, they don't really want to ask for help okay because that's the way people are okay so if they are able to self-serve themselves by finding a solution in the knowledge base and not open a support ticket, then it's a win-win solution for everybody. Excellent. So excellent. So you started off with learning about this self-service ratio, um, which you learned was about 28, a little over 28, which is, uh, I mean, our users would have, is that good? Is that bad? And then, so did you then take that and say, okay, wonderful. It's a great metric. Or did you say, now I want to figure out, is there a way I can get 28 to 50? Meaning, was there a clear path to to now understanding that there is this KPI that um, that that is measurable that I'm doing pretty well at, according to you know Zendesk? Mm-hmm. Did you create a plan to increase that, or did it happen by did it progress by chance? So there's no real way for you to to try and work only on your self-service ratio, right? You have to, besides what we already said, you have to try to tackle. Uh, the places where you think that there are problems for customers, okay? So you have to be in good connection and and communication with support and with the CS in general. And and really try to put yourself, you know, in the shoes of customers and try to read the documentation that you have, that you produce and see if this is something that is easy to digest and if it really answers questions to... uh, you know, to the questions that customers may have. Um, but I, I got to say that, you know, once it started out, then I realized that finally I have something that I can show to my managers, okay? Because 
and, and this is, I think, um, a lot of things, uh, a lot of the terms that we're going to discuss here are terms that can be used by technical communicators with their managers because I can tell you another secret about our job, okay? <laughs> so sometimes, you know, it, it may be treated like some kind of byproduct, like something that you got to put out there and that's something that you can't really measure and see uh, what's the benefit in but once you have a KPI like that, you really start to realize that this is something that saves tons of money for the company that helps with reducing customer churn and so on. And so it's extremely important. And all of a sudden you have a way to measure that. You have a way to come to your manager and say, hey, look what I'm doing. And then, you know, besides just looking at an article and say, is that good? Is that bad? It's hard to say, but once you have a KPI, that's another story. That's great. So, so the self-service KPI was the start on your, on your analytical journey for, for, for documentation. Mm-hmm. Um, as I understand, you have a few more KPIs that you manage. What would be, um, I think you have three or four. What, what is the next one in, in your arsenal that you find helpful for understanding how well that your documentation is doing and the team. And here's my other question in the meantime, sorry that I just thought of it is, can this be used internally to boost the confidence of the writers? Meaning can this, can KPIs be used also for the manager to show them what you're doing? But in addition for the internal team says, Hey, you you guys are doing a great job. Um, looking, in fact, our, our score increased. And does this go down to the individual writer level, the self-service KPI or, or other KPIs, or is this on a team level that you try to keep it? Okay, so um, you can actually use that also for, uh, for you know, single writers or single product teams. And uh, so uh, one thing that I took uh, out of the self-service ratio, the general self-service ratio is the fact that you can have, this is another KPI that I call product self-service ratio. So if you think about that, uh, then you can actually each product uh, in the company, assuming that of course there's more than one product, uh, has its own uh, pages in the knowledge base and has its own support tickets, okay? So this is something that you can measure. And, and by the way, we, we didn't say what is self-service ratio yet, okay? We, there's a lot to speak about it uh, more maybe. Maybe we'll go back and, and, and elaborate. Um, but basically, self-service ratio is when you take the unique page views and you divide them by the number of support tickets. Okay, So this is the general formula for self-service ratio. Now, when we talk about product self-service ratio, it's the exact same thing, only limited to a specific product. So you can take uh, the specific product's unique page views in the knowledge base and divide it by the number of support tickets that are open each month for that specific product. So of course, the higher that you go means that more customers use the knowledge base to find the solution uh, for that product and don't open support tickets. And this is something that helps, of course, the product manager that has a lot of headaches uh, and the support people and CAs and, and just shows you know, the ability of the documentation for that specific product to deflect any incoming questions from customers. Excellent. Um, okay, so I, you know, I definitely encourage um, listeners to 
you know, follow up, we'll put in maybe Zeb's contact information, we'll put in, in the description, um, or you can write to me and we'll, and we'll follow up. Maybe there'll be some follow-up questions because uh, I, I think this is great. Mm-hmm. So you have the self-service ratio. It says KPI, you started at about 28. Now, I don't know, did, did, did they let you know where that stands in relation to the rest of their customers? Have you been able to increase that over, over time? So yeah, uh, actually, when, when I started out, it was at 17, and then it climbed to 28. And then, you know, that gave me the appetite to every once in a while to ask them, hey, uh, what's up with that? What's up with the self-service ratio? Are we doing better or not? And uh, another year into that, or during 2019 already, they told us, guys, you have incredible stats when it comes to self-service ratio. And they ran a research among their then 150,000 uh, accounts. And as it turned out, uh, we had we were at about 71 at the time wow. at, in average, uh, which sounds good, right? But apparently that was uh, among all of their accounts and uh, number six in the world, okay? Uh, which, which is pretty good because like half of all the ticketing systems in the world belong to Zendesk. So uh, that, that's uh, a pretty good place to be at. Uh, and among older EMEA uh, accounts, uh, we were number one. Um, and, and that was amazing. And again, that wasn't something specific that we did just to improve that. But, you know, when you, once you get to know that you're doing so well, that just gives you the appetite to, to go on and try to improve that as well. I can tell you that uh, we have conducted just for you, just for this interview, uh, Adi, uh, our CSM in Zendesk, I asked her, and she ran a research, another research for us. So during H1 of 2022, um, incorporating all the information from our Zendesk knowledge base and also another knowledge base that we have for developers, uh, with all those page views together, uh, we are at about, not about, at exactly 120 self-service ratio. And which wow. puts us, uh, yeah, in the world at about, uh, we rank 36 in the world. Wow, that's incredible. So you went from 17 to 28 within a few years to over 100, 120 plus. And so, so okay, so let's break it down. That I mean, It's an incredible number. It means that the team has done an incredible job. Um, it seems like as your team has grown, you'll be able to increase that. So is that is now that's now we want to make sense. Let's try to make sense of a KPI and, and because numbers can, um, you know, can can tell different stories. So, so so let me just, you know, as a benchmark, just to try and understand, OK, because maybe it doesn't sound like it's too good or, or whatever. So uh, the average self-service ratio in H1 among 160,000 Zendesk accounts was... 7.09. Wow. Okay, so 120, 7.1. Uh, that's the difference. Now, you know, to anybody that listens to us, is that a good number for you? Not a good number for you? It doesn't really matter. I mean, the, the important thing that I would certainly advise anybody uh, that is interested, a technical communicator, a team lead, or whoever, is to start and measure and then to see their own trend, okay? That's the important thing. Uh, And and try to keep on measuring the same things, okay? We measure, for example, when we measure support tickets, 
RCSMs don't use Zendesk there, okay? So anybody, any customer that approaches directly the CSMs via email, QQ, whatever, any other method is not counted. But we keep on counting the same things, page views and support tickets. So if anybody else is using Zendesk or another ticketing system for CSMs and counts that in, then that's the important thing. Just keep on counting the same things and see if your trend improves or, or not. Excellent. So, so start to set some, so, so just number one, just start somewhere, meaning today's day one, start your benchmark from today. And you can say, just make sure you're measuring the same metric over a set period of time. You could do it on a daily basis. You could take it for the first week and then see how you do the second week. And then you could take the first two weeks and see how you're doing the next two weeks, one month and then the next month. So you can, you're saying just start anywhere, make a benchmark and start tracking it. Yeah, well, well, I think that the good news is that in most cases, I believe uh, knowledge bases already have Google Analytics or even Zendesk Analytics. They already have this information. They, If they have a ticketing system, then they also have analytics about their tickets uh, in the past. They can probably already start and see what was the trend a year back, two years back, and, and try to improve from here. Incredible. And as a side note, where where are you your users searching? Meaning, do do you have some sort of widget in the app where people are searching locally within the app, and they're not they don't have to go outside, or do they have to go to the knowledge base and conduct a search there, or maybe even Google? Are they coming in from a regular Google search? Okay, so this is actually another set of KPIs that uh, we we look at. Okay, not the the most important. This is not census ratio, but uh, but still. Uh, for us, um, almost half of the users come over from Google, okay? They search for something uh, over Google, and then they get into the knowledge base. Uh, we also use Google search in the knowledge base, okay? That's, uh, that's how people search, and this is where we get the results from. So, yeah, this is also something that you would be interested in, in finding out. I, I would suggest that as, as another KPI. So you can go, if you have Google Analytics, so go to Google Analytics and then uh, acquisition channels, and then uh, look for high organic search, okay? If you have a, a, a good percentage of a high organic search, then that shows that, you know, you get a lot of uh, traffic from Google directly, and that's a good thing. Okay, that, that means that you're up there with the results, that users are able to find you very easily. And that's also an asset for the company, as you can imagine. When you have a knowledge base that has a lot of visits, uh, then you can use that to trigger interest uh, from prospects and not only for customers. So it's a good thing to have. Excellent. So, so, the, so the second KPI we talked about here, um, which again, you said can get on Google Analytics or probably almost any other analytics, hopefully for uh, for a product that you might have, is where your users are coming from and, and, and what that means, not just in terms of them getting there, but this is fascinating because I never would have thought of this, is what does it mean for your SEO rating? Meaning if it's a high organic search and users are getting there and they're preferring this, that means you must be doing something right with either how you're titling your articles, setting up the SEO for your articles, whatever, you know, whatever level of uh, control you have over that. So these are all, so, you know, that's like a, like a sub, almost like a sub KPI, like to, to be able to judge, like if you have high organic search, that also means it's another indicator for other successful aspects of your documentation. That's excellent. Um, I, 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 I would be very surprised if our users were not sitting 
our, our, our listeners are not sitting there with their mouths wide open right now. Um, Cause this is like cracking a coach. Seriously. I don't, I, I really, the mo- I don't think I've ever had such an in-depth conversation about um, attainable, normal, straightforward analytics that anyone can take grab of on day one when they start to do this. Excellent. So, um, and I'm going to interject with a question. How often do you share these analytics? Like with the team, do you, do you watch us on it? You know, do you, are you sitting there with three, three screens, like, like a stock trader and stuff like this, you know, what, what, what's your level of involvement is the you know, reports that you run? How do you manage these analytics? Okay. So no, we don't. Okay. <laughs> We've got work to do. Okay. It's just that, you know, every once in a while, let's say once a month, I take a look at what happened with the, with the stats in the last month. And it's interesting. And, and, you know, every once in a while, let's say once or twice a year, uh, I uh, report to the company. Uh, I have a newsletter. We have a newsletter that uh, where we report news uh, that are related to documentation and to the work that we do in the team that you can't see anywhere else, okay? Not about a new article that accompanies a new product update. Uh, other things, our initiatives and so on. And when there are news like, hey, we now know that uh, during H1 2022, we ranked number 36 in the world, and then we definitely tell the company about it. Let me tell you, this is something that is also being used by other factors in in the company, like, for example, sales, okay? When a salesperson um, approaches a prospect, okay, for a, a, a service that is very complex, okay, apps, flyer, analytics, it's very complex, and they are able to come over and tell them, hey, did you know that if you'll be a client, if you'll be a customer, then uh, you'll be able to get top-notch help from a help center because we rank up there in the world. That's a selling point. That's a unique selling point. And it's being used, you know, way over beyond uh, what you may do with uh, just for customer services. That's fascinating. So there, so there's again, and this is something we've touched on in the podcast a bunch is the business value of quality documentation or quality quality knowledge. In this case, uh, knowledge with articles. Excellent. Um, okay. So I, what I'd like to do is move on to um, another another one. So just to recap, we have covered because we're going in depth with these a lot. The first KPI, in case you're just in case you're some reason you left and you're just joined back again, we we went over the self-service ratio, which is a statistic of unique page views um, divided by the number of support tickets that are opened um, during a given uh, period of time. So the higher the the self-service ratio, that uh, the the better the score. All right, that's the first KPI. The second one we discussed is um, search KPIs. Mm-hmm. So when you go on to Google Analytics, um, specifically the, the acquisition channels, and if you can, can have a high organic search, uh, that means that users are going to Google, searching, finding what they need, and they're getting to your uh, your doc center, your knowledge base uh, through that. Excellent. So so the next one, what what's the next KPI that you that you track? Okay, so maybe going back again to discussing the relationship between documentation and support. Okay, so uh, as it happened, our support has a a dashboard that shows them um, the reasons for or the the, for resolutions of of support tickets. Okay, so uh, they have they've got all sorts of reasons, and some of them are related to documentation. For example, if an agent refers a customer, a customer to um, an article, okay, and that resolves the situation, or God forbid, uh, the, the, the agent writes bad documentation or missing documentation, 
so these are things that relate to us that we can learn from and, and see the trends at. So uh, the next KPI is a user trust KPI, as I call that. Um, and that's um, when agents refer to documentation, okay? So what do you do that? If you have the 100% of resolutions, okay, just take the percentage of a tickets that were resolved by the agent referred the customer to documentation divided by the 100% of the total resolutions. Now, when we started seeing these numbers, we were at about 16%, something like that, and it went down to about 6 7%. And what it means is that customers over time learn to trust the knowledge base, okay? So agents don't need to refer most customers to the documentation because they already know it's there. So it saves them the back and forth, the initial back and forth of here's a question, ah, okay, here's the article, and which of course always takes some time. So uh, that's an interesting KPI that you want to go low at, but if you have a high percentage of that to begin with, then that means that you've got something to work with, okay? You can improve the trust of your customers. Got it. So do you think in, in, in I've, I say this all the time, uh, anyone who's ever discussed this with me, is that if, if a user has a bad experience with documentation, they're less likely to come back. Meaning like I, I, I always compare it to a restaurant. If you go to a restaurant and get their signature their meal and it's, uh, and it's awful, you're not going to want to go back and give them a second chance because you don't have you don't have trust you don't have confidence in their ability to deliver on what they're what they're promising you know in terms of gaining trust how do you ensure that if they have a bad one or or not ensure but what would you do to mitigate that if someone might have if there's a low uh, user trust uh, score to yeah. try to engage is there any sort of like engagement plan or or what's what's how do we learn from that what do we do so again as you would uh, probably approach the, the entire challenge of bringing uh, quality documentation that can deflect tickets. You would just need to go from the top pain points of customers and try to tackle them and bring them quality documentation over there. And, and also, you know, try to make your top articles really great, okay? Add videos, add animated GIFs, do whatever you can to make them detailed, answer the questions, because a lot of customers will use those. And then when they'll have another issue, they'll think about going to the knowledge base. First of all, let's see if there's an answer before I open a support ticket, which may take some time for people to answer. Okay, excellent. Well, wow. now here, I got to jump in. How long did it take you to develop this? It seems because now you're presenting it like as this nice package. You've been there for about five years. Um was there any sort of aha moment where where you figured you thought, oh, this would be a great thing to do? Did these did these grow natural over time? Because I'm sure we're going to have very eager technical writers or tech doc managers that are going to want to start to implement some of these things. Um, did this take time? Did this build out? How did it come in to be formalized as KPIs and not just something nice to look at? It doesn't take a long time to build that, okay? If you have any system, uh, any analytic system, we, we use Looker, but uh, I guess you can do that with Excel, right? Uh, whatever, you just need to, to follow the details, to follow the numbers, uh, let's say month by month, uh, and then you'll be able to see these numbers and then you'll be able also to see the trend. 
Um, yeah, shouldn't take too long. In this case, we would what I just described the, the, the user trust KPIs. Again, this is something that relies on the details that were already performed by our support. Okay, I was just a hitchhiker here. I saw that and I said, hmm, that's interesting. Let's use that. And also another KPI very much related to that that I mentioned. Uh, you can check and see how many uh, of these support tickets are resolved, let's say, let's call it resolved, by uh, the agent uh, saying that the, the, there isn't, a, the, the, the documentation is bad or missing, okay? Of course, you like to have that to be as low as possible, okay? But again, if you have a high percentage there, again, there's meat here, and then you can check out and see which topics uh, specifically were in those tickets that the documentation was bad at and try to improve those. Excellent. So how, and in terms of your documentation, because I think it's important to understand what these KPIs are, are and, and analyzing and analytics of, do you primarily document new features? Do you go in and test the product and, and try to find, not bugs, but try to find holes in the product or gaps in the product or questions that you might have? So what's a bit of the documentation process for creating content and ident identifying where you need to write it, what you need to write a KB article for. So the way that we do things in, a, in, in my team is that every technical communicator uh, is responsible for not only for the documentation of a product, but also for the microcopy, which means that we are involved at a very early stage. After the, the, the initial uh, mock-up of a new feature, we are already brought into the, uh, into the process. And then we start thinking, and you know, this is the time that the product manager and the UI UX have already uh, made a discovery and they thought about the new product and they uh, and, and they, they, they made the first Figma there. And, and then uh, and when we come into the picture, we can take a look at that and we can say the magic words, I don't get it, okay? <laughs> and, which is great because then we are able to, to look at it as a customer. And when we work on the microcopy, when we work on the products, you know, everything is pressed in time and, and everybody wants to get it out and have an MVP and so on. But by the time that we get to the documentation itself, we, we already understand what may be the pitfalls of customers when coming over to that, uh, which may be fixed at a later phase of, of, uh, of the product and, and maybe not, uh, but uh, at least we are able to document it in advance. Okay, excellent. So, so now we've covered three, and I understand you have one more uh, KPI that you that you like to track uh, on your team. So uh, maybe the last couple of KPIs uh, have to do with localization. Okay. Um, so as technical writers, we think in English, we write in English, but that's not the world. Okay. Uh, if you have a global uh, company and you have customers all over, you'll be surprised in some cases to see. Uh, that not everybody speaks English, not everybody reads English. I can tell you I've been, uh, I traveled to China to meet with customers a few years back and I met there with, uh, with an international global company with the marketing managers there and they didn't speak a word of English. That was amazing. Wow. I, yeah, my CSM, my uh, colleague had to translate everything. They didn't even say hello. Uh, so, wow. so yeah, but, but these are, you know, uh, People just like me, just like you, just like everybody else, and and they definitely deserve to have the not only the the product, but of course also the, the documentation in their own languages. So we really spend a lot of resources on 
on localizing uh, our documentation as well as the product. And um, we, we thought about how can we, uh, there's a, still a lot to think about it, but how can we actually measure the, the, the effectiveness of, of localizing the content uh, that we have? So the first KPI that I'd like to talk about, uh, we dubbed it locale self-service ratio. Again, it's, it's around self-service ratio. In this case, uh, the idea is to take a look at how many page views uh, that are localized to a certain language. Okay, let's say, I know, is Russian popular enough these days to say or not? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can say, we can say. We can say that. So, so for example, uh, page views uh, localized to Russian, okay, in a month, take that as a nominator and the denominator divided by the unique page views that you have in the entire knowledge base uh, that the browsers use Russian as a language, okay? And, and let me explain that a bit. That shows how many in actuality a, a articles are read in Russian divided by the number of reads of people that since they set their browsers to Russian, they probably prefer to read in Russian, okay? We, we don't take a look at geography in this case because Russian speakers may be anywhere in the world. Right, that's fascinating. That's a great, that's great. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and as a note to, as a note to use uh, to, to listeners, this is important now. Someone like myself say, I don't localize right now, so this, this is not relevant to me. Um, I, I, I want to I make sure you're paying attention very closely to this, especially if you're a new writer, you're a junior writer, you're getting into writing, you're not sure what localization is, just as a basic thing. Localization is translating the language, whether it's for a UI or for documentation, whatever it is, into other languages. Now, this affects things like what words are used in an article, it affects, um, you know, how much slang is used, all these different things affect localization just for our, because we have a lot of junior writers that listen. And if you're not planning this right now, number one, you should be aware of it. And number two, if you're a manager, and you have not started localizing, and it's in the plans, then you should start thinking about this and building this into your localization plan before you even get started. So everyone listen very carefully to this. This is a very misunderstood and 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 messed up at a lot of places, I have to say, where it's not handled as smoothly as it could be. So sorry to cut you off, but I think it's really important for our listeners to understand just how important this is. Sure. And now, you know, it, it makes sense that also having your content localized to some languages will also give your company some kind of a competitive advantage, right? Because in many countries, people, again, have almost zero knowledge in English. And, uh, and they feel like second grade if you, know, uh, if you don't get the, the content that they need in their own language. And, um, but it, let me tell you, okay, we cannot translate everything. We cannot translate all the content. We have hundreds and hundreds of articles. And you know everything keeps on changing and updating. And if we wanted to translate all the documentation that we have into all the languages that we support, by the way, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, Indonesian, Vietnamese, Russian, Portuguese, Spanish, French, okay, got it all. Um, <laughs> then we would have to spend millions of dollars. Now, probably, your company will not spend millions of dollars on localizing uh, you know, all the things that you have. So here's the last KPI that I wanna talk about, that we thought about, 
uh, we call it locale coverage, okay? And, and in that case, it means how much of the content that you have that readers really need do you translate, okay? So it goes like that, locale coverage is the percentage of page views in English localized to a certain language. Let me explain uh, again what it means. Um, if you take a look, for example, at Google Analytics, okay? And you have, for example, 10 articles, okay? Let's make it simple. Uh, if you translate the top three articles, okay, you can check and see how many of your English readers read these top three articles, okay? So just for example, the top three articles consist of 60% of the page views. So you may only translate three out of 10 articles, but then you will cover 60% of the page views, okay? So we have languages where we have relatively little coverage of, okay? We just translate 15% of the articles, but that accounts for more than 50% of the page views. So really put your efforts where they're going to have, you know, the, 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 the biggest bang for, for the buck. Excellent. Bang for the buck. That's the name of the game. And, and for those that don't know and for that don't understand why this is so important, localization is not cheap. Okay. Localization is, especially when you're going into that many languages, localization is not cheap and mistakes are very costly. So, um, so it's important to do that and, and make sure that you're getting as much value as you can um, as soon as possible. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to cover? No, I think uh, this is wraps it up pretty nicely. Yeah, this is what oh. I wanted to share. Excellent. Okay. Wow. So we, we really covered a lot. Ziv, I really want to thank you. As a first guest, I think you're going to be an extremely hard act to follow um, because it's what I tried to do on this podcast and, I, and, and you have really followed through is to give practical advice that people can understand and implement in their own uh, jobs or in their, in their own processes. And I really think that people are going to get um, extreme benefit um, from understanding just how easy it is to start to approach KPIs, how to start to implement them and understand them. Um, so so thank you so much. I think this is going to be one of the biggest value shows for our, for our, for our listeners. Um, and I have a feeling this will not be our last conversation. I think you, you, you have a lot more to discuss that uh, I personally can benefit from. I enjoyed very much. Um, and I, I want to thank you for being the, the, first, uh, the first interview on our show. That was a great experience, Alex. Thank you very much. I learned a lot from you and I'm happy to share the little that I can with others as well. Incredible. Thank you, Ziv. So thank you for joining us in this episode of the Word Up podcast. Uh, all of the information for contacting us will be in the description. Definitely send us questions, comments, what you liked, what you didn't like. And if you have any questions, we'll uh, anonymously, or if you don't want to be anonymous, however you prefer, uh, we'll go over those questions in the next episode.